just a quick heads up before you listen. If you're listening to this on your pod player of choice, um, there are no tunes. So there is a Spotify playlist you can go and listen to. Or if you want to hear the full version with tunes for free, head over to infrequency.co.uk or our Mixcloud, which is mixcloud.com slash tempfans. Hello there, welcome to Movement Scenes and Genres, um, MSG10. Um, before I get started, I have COVID. Um, if you're keeping track of when dates, things happen, it's Omicron probably, and my voice will probably die halfway through this, um, or sound amazing, and I'll have to go and smoke 60 fags a day to try and replicate this. Um, as you know, Movement Scenes and Genres here at MSG10, we have a guest who comes on um, to talk about either a, a movement scene or genre in music with 10 songs that best represent um, that subjectively for them. Um, our guest today um, is author um, of, well, most recently, the, the wonderful book, Electric Wizards, A Tapestry of Heavy Music, 1968 to the present. And um, you'll also find his writings on psych rock on places like the quietus. Uh, he's been the wire magazine. It's, and I have to get my, my, my amount of R's correct here. It's J R Moores. Hey, J R. Hello. Hello. Thank you for uh, having me on. I'm very flattered to um, be asked. Thank you very much. I was just, I was just making sure in my head, is it, is it a JR or a JRR? Cause there's always a J there's JRs and JRRs. I was never sure. Which, I always keep forgetting who, who is who. Um, just to make it simpler, I'm not going to call you JR, am I? Uh, you can if you want, or you can call me John, which is my actual name. Uh, can you guess the reason why my byline is JR rather than John? John Moores. No, I can't. There <laughs> I've is, got COVID, that's my excuse. Uh, a university in Liverpool called John Moores University. Ah, and so okay. I didn't want to get confused with with a uh, a university in Liverpool, which is one of the reasons why I call myself J.R. Moores rather than John. That's why I changed my name from Wolverhampton Polly. Yeah. But, yeah that was... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, your your book, let's briefly talk about the book before we get started. It's, it's a history um, of, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying all heavy music because you are very subjective in it, but... Can you can you sum up your book in maybe thirty seconds? In thirty seconds, ah, um, it's 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 a book about heavy music, but not particularly heavy metal. I wanted to think about heaviness and what it is and what it means, uh, but in in a broader fashion uh, than has done been done previously. I suppose. I mean, there's plenty of um, heavy metal histories out there already uh, i'm not knocking heavy metal heavy metal has its place uh, but i wanted to explore heaviness uh, elsewhere as well so i get i go into sort of acid rock space rock industrial rock uh, funk even uh, post punk grunge noise music all these different so have I, have i gone over 30 seconds yet all these different <laughs> scenes genres artists uh, that uh, are working within uh, this uh, uh, tradition of heaviness uh, and, and kind of charting how it's evolved uh, and how the different bands and, and scenes are related and how they're different from each other as well, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it does do a very good good, good, good job of, of having a narrative thread. Although I was slightly frightened when I first picked it up and obviously flick to the index to look for band names and whatnot. And I saw Noel Gallagher way too many times for my liking, but there's a reason yeah. for that. <laughs> there is a reason for, there is a reason for that. Well, the, um, other, the other thing is that I didn't, I, which is uh, um, a sort of rule I have in my work in general, but I didn't want to just say, here's a brilliant heavy band. And now here's another brilliant heavy band. And there's another heavy, brilliant heavy band. So there is a bit, 
in the middle, uh, spoiler alert, where it talks about uh, how heaviness was kind of uh, taken taken awry a little and uh, what went wrong. Um, I, 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 I believe there's a phrase you use, which is the nadir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I mean, I'm being um, slightly provocative with that chapter, and some people don't like it, but... Um, you know, it mixes it up a bit, doesn't it? Uh, throwing in a bit of a, 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 a nadir in the in the middle of all this great heavy stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, and if and if um, and it's on it's on reaction books, right? Yeah, that's R E A K reaction books. Or you can find it on Amazon, um, or you can find it on the Kindle, which is what I did because I live up a hill in the, in the south of Spain. But really, it's a very big big tome. Uh, honestly, recommend it. Go and get it. Um, You'll disagree with the choice of bands that are in it. <laughs> um, everyone should. Dis- if I wrote a book on the history of whatever, people are going to go, if I wrote your book, people would be like, well, why is there no um, Edgar Broughton band? Or, you know, why is there no um, Warlock Pictures, <laughs> for example? There's going to be lots of people arguing about my choice of bands. Um, but yeah, um, so. There's some amazing chapters in there. There's some I'm really, I, I really know about genre-wise. And then there's the one we're doing today, which is noise rock. Noise rock. Um, so yeah, so when, I, when I reached out to you, um, I said, okay, so which 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 part we're going to do well, from from the book? I mean, it'd be great for you to come on. You chose noise rock. And now there's some of this I know, some of this I don't. So we'll sort of get through them as as we're going through, but. Noise. I mean, what's the difference in noise rock and rock and heavy rock? I mean, what, what, why, where are we going with this? What, what five things would define noise? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, one simple way to think about it is that you've got kind of you've got your big your big rock at the top of the tree, right? The big mainstream stuff that fills arenas that you can, you can sit in a in a in a hockey uh, stadium and eat, eat your hot dog uh, to it. Like, what what would that be? Aerosmith, um, you know, Bruce Springsteen, people like that. Uh, then below that, a little bit below that, you've got your what? What should we say? Alternative rock music, mm-hmm. which is a little bit artier, maybe a little bit uh, could be a little bit uh, rawer or dirtier. And I'm thinking. Um, what would that be? That would be like uh, Jane's Addiction, or the, or the mm-hmm. sort of uh, the grunge bands that people have heard of, <laughs> or that most people have heard of, I should say. Um, maybe even the Smashing Pumpkins. Those that, that that lot, right? That's your alternative rock level, and then okay. below, below that is where the noise rock lies. Oh, you had the, see, you had them below. I had them to the side. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'd have them like I'd have them as like Uncle Frank's breakdown. <laughs> Uh, we remember Uncle Frank. We remember Christmas. Yeah, he's in the garage. Uh, so that's even rawer and even okay. artier and no. less concerned with commercial uh, who would success. Be, who would be the most, just for the listener here, who would be the most famous, well-known act that would have elements of noise rock in, even if it, we don't play any of them today? Shall we say the Jesus lizard? Let's say the Jesus lizard. We could say we could say the Jesus lizard. Can we if say you want. that? We will. We will get. To, we will get to them in a bit. Okay, perfect. So, um, noise rock started what mid eighties, late eighties, possibly certain bits of Sonic Youth. Yeah, we're, do, we're playing sort of noise rocky stuff, and probably a good time to move on to um, the first choice. And your first choice of band and first choice of song is who? Uh, my first choice is uh, I Flies by Melvins. Um, now, people might think that Melvins are not noise rock. Uh, they might think Melvins are uh, sludge metal pioneers or drone rock. Okay, or, okay, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm already going to stop you yeah. at this point. Or proto grunge. Oh, okay. Now, I'd have had them as protogrunt. Now, years ago, 
uh, when, I, when I lived in London, there was a, my mate Craig, hey Craig, if you're listening, you probably aren't. And we used to take each other to gigs. So we'd buy it. And I tried to do this, this variety of gigs. So, oh, we'll go and see a bit of indie. We'll go and see a bit of hip hop. We'll go and see a bit of rock. And his were all variations on rock. And I lost count with whether it was drone, noise, sludge. It's like doom, doom rock came up a lot. What the fuck is sludge rock? <laughs> sludge rock is... Um, uh, I suppose it's similar to doom, but maybe a little bit groovier. A little bit, maybe, I, I, I want to say funkier. Drop but it's not, it sounds nothing like funk, but... Um, uh, and again, just really dirty, lots of distortion, lots of bass. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's sludge rock, it's okay. sludgy. Um, but yeah, so Melvin's so- <laughs> are kind of all those things, right? But they're none of those things at the same time. Really, they're just uh, a genre in their own right. They are Melvin's. Uh, they do lots of different kind of styles within their... Um, uh, sound, I suppose, um, but I chose them because um, they they sort of, they sort of uh, archetype noise rock in a way because they they come from punk rock, I suppose, or hardcore. You know, they're galvanised by the hardcore scene in America, but uh, they are happy to annoy uh, people in their audience. By, for example, playing very slowly rather than uh, very quickly, which was the thing to do back then, um, and also um, working in uh, older influences that were perhaps um, frowned upon as well. So things like Black Sabbath, uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, but doing it in a way that remained sort of uh, artistic and not particularly poppy. And did they have, I mean, they were Pacific Northwest, right? So this is why I probably put them lazily as proto-grunge. I mean, they'd have been knocking about at this time with Mud Honey and et cetera, right, in 87? Yeah. So were they, were they, were they peers? What separated the, the two of them? Um, they're, well, they're, <laughs> uh, they, they're, yeah, they're from the same area, but interestingly... Uh, so around the time that grunge starts to get big, they move away from there and go off to San Francisco, um, which is like uh, not what you want to do if you want to be a massive band <laughs> in the early 90s. But that's what they do. Um, there's a link with Mud Honey, their, were, their were, first space. Were there of, any? Sorry? Were, sorry, were there? I mean, I could think of maybe Jane's Addiction and stuff down in LA, sleazy LA. And I can think of all the Pacific Northwest. I can't think of a single band from San Francisco in the early nineties. Yeah. I, I can't think of any that comes to mind. I'm sure there's loads. I can't think of any right now. Um, uh, yes. The, so the, uh, the uh, original, I think, bassist in um, Melvin's, left shortly after their first album, I think, and he joined Mudhoney, Matt Lukin. So there's a, a very clear link there. Uh, he, one of the problems <laughs> he had with Melvin's was that uh, he had quite a lot of difficulty even playing uh, this song I've chosen, I Flies, because uh, it was too slow for him. He couldn't get his head around it. Too slow for their audience, too slow for their bassist, uh, too slow for people uh, that want to listen to the radio. Uh, I, I find that admirable. One thing I wanted to ask you, um, and this has this, this come from your book, um, the hell is pigfuck? Pig, what is pigfuck? Yeah, so for a while, what we think of now as noise rock was called pigfuck, um, especially in America. Uh, where the term was coined by Robert uh, Criscall, uh, who was writing about uh, this kind of bands that came out of the no-wave scene, uh, mostly, I think. So it's bands like Sonic Youth, uh, Swans, uh, that bunch. But I, I don't really think that 
Sonic Youth or Noise Rock. I think they're kind of too elegant in a way. Would would you say then with Sonic Youth? Because Pete, some people have said um, the Velvet Underground were some of the first examples of noise elements, bits of feedback coming in. Would you say that Sonic Youth are more on the Velvet Underground side? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd have them more in that ballpark. Art rock, should we call it art rock maybe? Sonic Youth? Art noise. Art, art noise. noise. Art noise, that'll do. Um, they're not quite as aggressive enough for noise rock, I think. Uh, not quite dirty enough. They get more and more sort of elegant, I should say, um, as they go on. Um, are they heavy? I don't know if they're that heavy, Sonic Youth. I absolutely love them. They're probably my favourite band of all time, but I'm not sure if I would call them particularly heavy. They're wonderful in lots of other ways. Um, I suppose their early stuff is heavier than their later stuff. They do go into crazy noise feedback territory, um, but they're not really riffers, are they? And I'm not oh, sure the no. bass is loud enough. <laughs> It always comes back to the base. Mm. Um, okay. Um, narrative clacks and alert. Narrative clacks and alert. Um, back on temporary fandoms, our other our other podcast um, episode two. Um, we covered butthole surface. Um, we did it rather quickly because it was one of our first pods that we we got through. But now, now, John, you're bringing us. Butthole Surfers, where are we going? Butthole Surfers, uh, Sweat Loaf, which is, um, uh, it's, it's a bit, well, it's, it's Sweet Leaf by Black Sabbath, rewritten by some insane Texans. Um, again, you know, if I'm going to bang on about the book, you know, one of the thing, and one of the other things I wanted to do was to show that, you don't just have Black Sabbath birthing heavy metal and all the different subgenres of heavy heavy metal. You have Black Sabbath uh, as a huge influence on loads of other different types of bands as well. Butthole Surfers is an obvious one. Uh, they rewrite Sweet Leaf into Sweat Loaf. You know, just pinch the riff, uh, but make it make this sort of weird. Uh, dense dark psychedelic thing out of it um they they uh, take influence from black sabbath in other ways as well uh whether that's pinching um certain uh musical passages from black sabbath songs or one of the funniest things they did was to call the song no i'm iron man <laughs> which is <laughs> brilliant they reply directly to black sabbath uh, and to square up to them almost. There was there was one thing. I mean, I'm a regular listener to anything I talk on. Will know that I'm a big gay bikers and acid fan. And there was I remember there being some probably apocryphal story about how gay bikers were supposed to tour with Butthole Surfers, but then gay bikers released an album and they had a song on there called um, "Fair Way to Heaven." About golf, it was about golf, but that came out. That came out at the same time as Hairway to Stephen came out, and apparently there was some beef. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, I think the beef was basically made up in the music press at the time, but it became a bit of a story. Um, anyway, right, let's get cracking into ball surfers and what is it? Sweat loaf, sweet loaf, beet loaf, sweat, <laughs> sweat loaf. Yeah, I think is it. Yeah. Um, so, Butthole Surfers were sort of main, late 80s, etc. Um, they carried on a bit into the 90s. Um, round about 1990, I, I say I, my friend Sai, who was the, the guy who gave me the music mixes that basically defined my, my entire music taste, as everybody knew that guy. Oh, here's a C90. Oh, brilliant. Um, there was a band that appeared on there called Warlock Pinchers. They're an American band. Uh, they're most famous for their song Morrissey Rides a Cock Horse, <laughs> um, as well as covers like I Think We're Tiffany uh, and stuff. Um, do you know them at all? Because they, they, they really sound familiar to what we're listening to so far. I do not know them. This is a gap in my noise rock <laughs> knowledge. Tell me, tell me about them. 
No, 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 literally, they, they, they released two albums. They got, I think they supported a very early Red Hot Chili Peppers once. Um, they got kicked off a lot of stages and then they disappeared in controversy. But there, there does now in my head seem to be this, all the scenes, the scenes you don't know about. Like, for example, today, people might only ever hear 10 noise rock tracks, and that's all they know. Um, I could play 10 Grebo tracks, and people go, oh, that's it. I go, yeah, but no, but if you were listening to them at the time, there'd have been this band that had this one EP and then disappeared, and this band who turned up for an album and then disappeared. It's like people go, oh, this is Britpop. Yeah, there was a lot more to Britpop than fucking Oasis and Beatles. You know, there was just stuff churning around the background. And for me, bands like Warlock Pinchers, I'll put a link in the um, episode thing. A band like Warlock Pinchers are definitely one of those sort of bands I'd have associated with it. But anyway, I'm starting to ramble with a voice that's disappearing. Um, Warlock Pinchers were a band you didn't know. That's fine. There's lots of what you know that I don't know. And here's a terrible segue. Here's a band I didn't know. <laughs> uh, cows. Uh, you're, yeah, so you're not familiar with Cows. Uh, cows. We're from Minneapolis. Uh, they had a reputation for crazy live shows and the wild antics of their singer Shannon Selberg. Um, so, so this seems to this is a common thing, right? Already. So, even if we go back to Butthole Surfers, crazy live shows mm. and, and, and unpredictable lives, unpredictable performances. Yeah, which right? is what you want, right? In a in a rock band, you don't want to go and see a show and they play all their hits and then they do two encores, you finished your hot dog and then you go home. You know, the best gigs are in small, smaller venues and they you get a sense that anything could happen, right? You don't know what it is. It might not be um it might not necessarily be anything unsavory, but just that a kind of um tense atmosphere of you know what is going to happen on stage tonight that's a wonderful feeling isn't it and a lot, a lot of the noise rock bands have that all right so we've got we've got cows coming up they're, they're from you said minneapolis yeah um i could have picked any cows song right i i picked one of the stranger possibly one of the more novelty ones um it, it, i picked it because there's kind of a link to the previous but whole surface track that we were talking about. Um, it's called The Emigrant Song, which I presume is a reference to Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song. Um, so again, it, they're, they're kind of paying, uh, paying dues to the older rock dinosaurs, but in a sort of irreverent, iconoclastic manner. Um, okay, so... At the moment, we're sitting somewhere around 1990, 1991, uh, music-wise. Um, the world was, well, <laughs> the Western music world was either post-Manchester baggy in, in the UK, pre-Britpop, or just coming into grunge, but not quite over in America. Um, all the bands so far, and even the ones coming up, are very, are much more US. Was... Is is this was this where the gravity uh, the, the 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 this where the the core where the gravity pull of noise rock was happening or was there other stuff happening elsewhere? Uh, I suppose it was. Um, I suppose no, uh, it's where the pug pig, the original pig fuckers lived <laughs> in America. If we want to call them that, uh, there's, key, there's there were key sort of record labels as well. Uh, Touch and go. And Amphetamine Reptile had lots of uh, strange bands on their rosters that you could call noise rock. And there's a there's a grunge link as well. So, uh, you know, a lot there's a sort of vague line between you know where does noise rock become grunge? Um, so I suppose a lot of the bands that got big after Nevermind exploded uh, were American. Ones and I don't think there was there were as many bands making noise rock in the early nineties than there was in America. Surely everyone, as you say, was still doing baggy and um, or, or uh, even get, it gets punk. Gets you'd have a few sort of punk and post punk things in the UK. Whereas yeah. obviously 
the American, even the American brand of of, of Rollins esque punk is more is is a little rockier. Yeah, we could have had Rollins like, band in the list, probably. You know, he's he's sort of noise rock territory. His solo material it's slower than uh, yeah hardcore. But um, any, anyway, we're going to move on. We're talking about big dogs like um, Rollins. Earlier on, when I said pick a band that maybe is the most famous one, the one, the flag flyer for noise rock, you said Jesus Lizard. Well, now we are moving into Jesus Lizard. Who are Jesus Lizard and why are they so important? Uh, Jesus Lizards are a band who uh, are from Chicago via Texas. Um, they. In a way, they do meat and potatoes, rock music, you know, bass guitar, drums, vocals, but it's very heavy. It's slightly off kilter, I would say. They've got another crazy frontman in the form of Mr. David Yao, who is arguably the greatest frontman of all time, probably. And... Uh, their guitarist, Dwayne Dennison, is an interesting figure as well because, uh, well, for me, I like I, I quite like guitarists that aren't particularly interested in getting better or showing off. Technically speaking, you know, with uh, marvelous ten-minute-long guitar solos, that kind of thing. Or I like guitarists who do have that technical talent and decide not to use it. <laughs> and Twain Denison is in that category. He's classically trained, uh, very talented man, but he knows that the important thing about rock is the riffs and the repetition. Uh, so that's what I like about his playing. Um, okay, well, Jesus Lizard are one of those bands who I who I categorize as, I've seen them live and I can't remember it. Um, and I saw them live in oh, about 2009 at All Tomorrow's Parties, um, which was a sort of Butlins holiday camp um, alternative music festival. It was absolutely amazing. And I saw them about 2009 at ATP, the fans strike back, I think. There was a lot of bands I saw that weekend that I can't remember and I remember seeing them. Now, talking about ATP, if if there was ever a band that could be described as the All Tomorrow's Party's house band that seemed to play every All Tomorrow's Parties, it is a band that if you'd said to me we were doing a math rock episode and these and here's the four the forefathers of math rock, I'd have expected to hear them in here. And this is probably where genre defining or putting people into into boxes gets really tricky. We've got Shellac. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have less of an idea of what noise rock is by the end of this than we had at the start. That's my plan. Um, are they noise rock? I don't. I don't think they're they're um, fancy enough for math rock. You know, I associate math rock with um, several crazy time signatures, perverse and um, true, true. Uh, More like slint, maybe. Yeah. Um, Steve Albini from Shellac says um, he, he, he calls the band a minimalist rock trio. Maybe that's um, the right category to whack them in. Uh, he was in Big Black, of course, who some people would chuck in with the noise rock or the pig fuckers. Um, but I think Shellac are better. You know, people look back on big black and talk about how important they were and that kind of thing. But I honestly think shellac is his sort of um, pit pinnacle really. And, and, and Albini, I mean, would you, would you think it's fair to say that he's, he's actually had more success as a producer? Well, well, you don't call him a producer. He's a recording engineer. He doesn't like the P word. Um, producers, <laughs> sorry, he thinks- Steve, but here, if, <laughs> number one, if you are listening to this, oh my fucking god, Steve Albini's listening to this. Number two, if you are, can you give me some tips about sound quality? Number three, I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> producers manipulate artists, he says. Whereas recording engineers simply record them. Um, what was the question? Do you think he's? Do you think he's actually had more success as a recording engineer? I mean, he's well, he it, appears on a lot. Of he's stuff. certainly 
more prolific as a recording engineer, um, which is his day job. Uh, so you know, he's he see he sort of sees shellac as a as a fun a fun little hobby, um, but it's a, a damn higher quality than most people's fun little hobbies. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, considering the fact that my fun little hobby is one of these podcasts, I think you're right. <laughs> and uh, Wing Walker, the song Ring Walk, Wing Wing Walker is kind of their signature. Anthem, he'd hate that as well. He doesn't want to play anthems, does he? All right, uh, so so let's let let's, let's before let's move straight into Wing Walker with the idea that obviously we're going to be listening to this in a nice hockey stadium, listening to their anthemic track Wing Walker with a hot dog in our mouth, watching record producer Steve Albini play this out. <laughs> Um, one thing I'm noticing already, and this is not meant to be a sort of, ah, gotcha, but if I don't bring it up, there are many people who will never talk to me again. Um, it's very male. It's a very male list. And I know that alternative rock is a very male-dominated category, but this seems to be more so. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Melvin's had a female basis for a while, although not on the song that I've chosen. Um, we've got some. Uh, well, okay. Later on, we've got a female vocalist coming up. Were, were um, there any examples? Were there any bands? I mean, maybe the like, Babes I, in I, Toyland I, or whatnot. Could, yeah, Babes in Toyland are the obvious one. They're they're, they're um, you know lumped in with Riot Girl uh, on on the count of their gender. Um, but you, you know, maybe I should. Yeah, I'm going to say I should have had Babes in Thailand in there because they, especially their early stuff, it is essentially noise rock, isn't it? It's, uh, it's it's sort of off kilter amateurish blues music that's really dense um, and aggressive and with sort of imaginative lyrics going on as well. So um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not just my fault. You know, I'm sure there were, there were people in the American music scene at the time who had certain uh, misogynistic or misanthropic tendencies. Oh, for sure. Um, um, we did an episode of Temporary Fandoms and we had Sarah Marcus on who wrote the book about Riot Girl. And we talked about how everything got lumped mm. into a category. Lunar Chicks got lumped into yeah. Riot Girl and Babes in Toilet got lumped into riot girl and really it was one summer scene um okay i mean the, you know the, the first whole album is probably noise rock isn't it um and then they change on the second album and uh they go up the ladder into the alternative rock level that i was talking about earlier see now i understand why it's below okay yeah. okay it makes sense okay so i just yeah i just wanted to mention i just wanted to ask i mean obviously some and some some genres, some scenes, you know, are very difficult for women to break into. Um, you have scenes like punk where women seem to be at the forefront at the very beginning. And then you have a lot of a lot of the rock or the metal type of subgenres where it takes a while for female representation to, to happen. Um, So, moving on to the next band, we've got um, another band I've never heard of, um, Cherubs. Cherubs, yeah. Um, Cherubs uh, did that interesting uh, career ploy of uh, recording an album, then having a huge physical fight with one another before that said album was even released. So, um, Fantastic. I suppose that creates a... That that absence creates a sort of mystique around the record uh, that is very um, appealing. So they were to they totally split, like not they totally totally they, were gone. They were the gone before uh, the album Heroin Man from 1994 came out, uh, and they have since reformed. Um, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think I think you know that's. It, 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 that's how it became a cult record, I suppose. That you know their absence uh, made people very interested. Um, and the track that I've chosen 
I mean, it's it's not a poppy album by any means. It sounds a bit like uh, Nirvana's In Utero in places, but like only the really noisy tracks. N- none of that sort of Kurt Cobain, I listen to the Beatles a lot sort of thing that comes occasionally in, in Utero. Um, uh, but, the, but this track is possibly one of the more accessible numbers on it nonetheless. It's called Dave of the Moon. Uh, and it's influenced, um, like a lot of the songs on Heroin Man by uh, the uh, hard drugs that had infiltrated the um, Austin, Texas creative scene at, at that time and um, ruined many lives, I suppose, or, or sent them rather adrift. <laughs> Okay, so up to now, we focused on sort of late 80s, early 90s America, um, and we're going to be skipping forward about five or six years now and, and, and crossing the channel. Um, and crossing the channel to cover a band that we've also done on Temporary Fandoms. If you just go over Temporary Fandoms, we, we also did an episode uh, on, on um, well, McCluck, McCluskey, who be later half of them become Future of the Left, but McCluskey, who are Andrew Falcus? Um, what is this? Ninety-seven. Uh, I don't know when they were formed. This track, the track I've chosen, is two thousand and two. It's from McCluskey Do Dallas. Um, yeah, is it about ninety-seven? I can't remember. There's an album before this one, isn't there? You tell me. Uh, we listen back to the <laughs> to the podcast in question. Um, Andrew Falcus. Andrew Falcus. We should say. Uh, insists that he doesn't play noise rock, um, so we have to include a McCluskey track j- j- just to annoy him. Um, he says, oh, "In that case, I'm definitely adding um, <laughs> shit rock on Twitter, which is Andrew Falcus, and, and telling him that. that's fine." Um, yeah, he says he doesn't play noise rock. He's 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 called. He says it's um, it, it's always meant to be pop music, only fed through the filter of self respect. Um, yeah. But maybe that's what all noise rock is, Andrew. I, <laughs> I say, um, you know. But yeah, come on, it's it is in that lineage of um, the, well, the music, the American music that we've been talking about earlier. Um, I could have had Future of the Left instead. I went with McCluskey because, uh, like a lot of people, I'm very fond of that particular album. Um, it's the song I've picked, which is Gareth Brown says, um, opens with a couple of fantastic uh, collar grabbing lines. Falcus. Well, I think that's one. I think that's one thing Falcus does very well. Yes, is, is lyrics. It, it came up when we had when we did uh, McCluskey and Future on the Left on, on the other part. There are certain lines that come out um, that really sort of basically go, "Oh, hello." Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Raise a shop. He's one of the best lyricists working today, I'd say. You know, there were there were there's stuff going on there that 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 no one else would write. Um, no one no one else would think of of writing down and then singing over some rock music. Um uh he he's he's a cult hero, uh, you know, an underappreciated genius. He's a, one of the funniest interviewees you could ever talk to. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding too flattering to him now. I, I, the, the whole point was to annoy also, him by calling him noise rock, wasn't it? And also, as you said, here's some noise rock, <laughs> some noise rock by McCluskey. <laughs> All right, so we've we've looked at uh, American bands, we've looked at British bands, um, and now we're going all the other way over and to Melt Banana. Is that Mount correct? Banana, yeah. Um, shield for your eyes, a beast in the well on your hand. Interesting song title. Um, they they sound nothing like McCluskey. So uh, how, how does so why that... why are they here? Why are they here, John? <laughs> why, why are they here? They're here because some people call them noise rock. <laughs> um, I, in my book, but, I... But, but is, that, is that a thing? A lot of Japanese bands... Seem to be very hard to categorize. Um, I'm a big fan and fan of a band called Number Girl, 
and some call them post-hardcore. And then the later albums are sort of very surreal Japanese metal, almost. Yeah. Um, baby baby metal. What the fuck are <laughs> baby metal? Well, you I know? think that's a whole <laughs> other podcast. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Mount Banana even mentioned in my chapter on noise rock. They are mentioned in the Napalm Death chapter because I talk about how uh, cassette trade, global cassette trading um, had an impact on people making heavy music. So Napalm Death would uh, trade cassettes and discover these strange um, Japanese bands uh, that no one had heard of over here that were making crazy punk and post-punk music. And then Napalm Death would obviously fly back over to Japan and people uh, be interested in what they were doing and how they were pushing the limits of heaviness. And um, I suppose Mel Banana are one of the bands that comes from that. Uh, you know, again, they, they come from a sort of hardcore uh, tradition, but then they, um, especially on this uh, track, I suppose, uh, move, move, it, move it forward by introducing these crazy kind of space rock almost um almost proggy uh vibe vibe on 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 this um i, I picked this track because it's uh I, re- I remember distinctly the first time i heard it i was in i was living in newcastle at the time uh i walked into one of the fabulous record shops that was there i don't think it's there anymore i want to say spin records Anyway, I walked into the record shop. must have been the absolute perfect timing because this is the first track on the album and it had just started. Uh, and it was like it was like nothing I'd ever heard before. It's wonderful. It's got this really long, crazy space rock intro. And then before, yeah, it sort of builds the suspense and then they launch into a sort of more, more rocky, punky passage later on. Um, very distinct vocalist, you know, quite high-pitched as you say, female vocals, yeah. uh, which adds to the distinctive nature. Uh, All right, well, well, let's um, let's dive into this shoegazy, proggy, rocky mix. Okay, before we get any further, um, Jr., I put it to you that noise rock doesn't fucking exist um, <laughs> because we've we've had artists already, Andrew Falcus, and we've got. The next act, a part chimp who flat out deny <laughs> that they are this noise rock. Um, yeah. What, what, is this some well, you sound? Know, it's, 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 it's understandable, isn't it? Mus- musicians all think they're playing uh, this unique, unique thing that no one else can play. Um, and they don't like being lumped in with other bands that they see as competition or lesser bands or whatever. It's completely understandable. But we, as journalists and uh fans and podcasters we we have to kind of organize our thoughts in some <laughs> way don't we part chimp in denying noise rock much like andrew Fal- falcus uh they say tim from part chimp says it's not noise rock noise rock it's fun music he says he just calls it fun music um which sounds like something you get at a children's birthday party um but this is not something you'd be playing at a children's birthday party. I don't party. think so. It'd be a very strange children's birthday party, wouldn't it? Or a, a party for a very strange child. Um, it's you know, it's it's loud, it's repetitive, it's it's densely distorted, uh, it's bludgeoning. Um, what else can I say? That it's it's noisy and it rocks and it's a, and, quite fun. And this as track well. is this track is uh, thirty billion people. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, Question I want to ask you, um, particularly as you were researching your book, et cetera, and we've talked a little bit about genres and subgenres and sub-subgenres and how maybe they are a thing, a tool for um, fans or journalists to categorize bands. Do you think this obsession with the sub-subgenre is, is quite modern? Was it before rock or heavy metal or blues, or was there before things like, well, acid, acid folk rock? Acid psych rock, acid metal. I mean, is, I mean, has it always been this broken down? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, people have always done it and some 
some labels stick and some labels are completely forgotten about. Um, Black Sabbath, for instance, you know, they weren't really called heavy metal at the time, um, or certainly not early on because no one had really coined it yet. uh, Down a Rock, they were called a lot, um, which sort of makes sense. But no one, you know, if you said Down a Rock to anyone, these days they'd sort of stare at you blankly um you know it's just it's you know we we have to talk about music somehow don't we and we have to it's you know it's a it's a tool to organize our thoughts and communicate um our- so if i had to put you on the spot and say what is your favorite obscure subgenre of music uh quasi circus folk no, I've made that one up. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not into going like sub, 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 sub genres. You know, let's keep it fairly broad just to make it easier. Two things in. All right, so we we started off in the late eighties. We 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 dabbled around the early nineties, then we jumped forward a bit, and we sort of trolled through the early nineties. And um, we've got something relatively recent uh, for our final track. Um, before we get to it, who are the current flag flyers who are held up as noise rock, even if they may deny that they are noise rock? Um, <laughs> should, we, should we annoy Andrew Falkers further by saying Future of the Left and Christian Fitness? <laughs> sure, um, why not? You know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's lots of sort of underground bands knocking around at the moment uh, over here in the UK as well on labels like... Um, God Unknown or Hominid Sounds, um, uh, you know. So, yeah, it's it's still a vibrant uh, genre, shall we say? Even if everyone is, has distanced themselves from the label of noise rock and prefer to say say they uh, play pop music or fun music, we'll do it. We'll do a fun music uh, episode later on, <laughs> shall we? Well, on that, let's move on to our last piece of fun pop music um who are a band well they're not a recent band are they i mean this track was 2017 yeah, but they're, they're yes, older it's older a relatively acts. recent track but from uh the noise rock legends unsane uh from new york and i picked this because um well if talk, talking about we were talking about cherubs uh earlier and when cherubs reformed kevin from the band said cherubs is ugly music and as an adult it kind of doesn't make sense to do that right but i think it makes more sense (laughs) you know if if you're playing noise rock which is ugly and you don't look as pretty as you did when you were younger that makes more sense right so if, if you're playing this horrible aggressive uh sort of slightly misanthropic music and you've got graying temples yeah your your waist is maybe expanded a little further maybe you're balding maybe the crow's feet are really starting to show that that does suit the sound of noise rock certainly more than um if you look like a sort of chirpy young uh ska punk band you know it's, it, it so, does so suit are it. you saying are you saying that noise rock has less ha- hats worn at jaunty angles than other genres. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not fun. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so this is, this is a, a recent, more recent Unsane track. Um, and uh, uh, it also includes the lyric, Death Comes On Slow, uh, which I suppose you could say was to do with ageing as well. Uns- a lot of Unsane uh, records have, you know, splatters of blood all over the cover. Um, but I think they need a, a, a representation that tells us this fact that death comes on slow. You know, it's 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 about wait, aging. Wait. Are we? Are, are you actually going to make us listen to some new metal death metal here? Because your description of their album covers and their titles sounds like I'm going to some dark emo territory by accident. Um, no, it's we're still in the ballpark of noise rock, but yeah, they do they do like blood on the cover. I, it became a theme. I'm not entirely sure why. All right, well let's um, let's finish off uh, 
10 songs with Unsane and Inclusion. All right, well, we have listened to 10 tracks, um, whether or not the artists agree or disagree, um, which are of the noise rock genre, subgenre. We've started America, we've moved across the Atlantic, we've been to Japan and and back. Um, This, as you know, is an MSG, MSG 10. Um, Other ones out there um, are Paul Hanley talking about 1980s um, rafters, um, Sharia Moore talking about New York No Wave, Zoe Van Hess talking about acid jazz, acid funk revival in the 90s, and Ben Zimmer talking about the Hoboken sound. Uh, there's also temporary fandoms out there, but all of this excitingly now exists in two places you want to go to. Number one, infrequency.co.uk. Basically, every month we're going to shove in about five hours of audio podcast content, kind of like a, a music magazine, although not Q. And not Word, and not Mojo either. Kind of like a good music magazine, um, or the one we wanted to exist. Anyway, we're going to dump that out once a month and give you time to digest it. So that's in frequency.co.uk. If you only want to listen, um, then join us at Mixcloud. Basically, we're moving to Mixcloud so that the artists get more money, and also because Spotify can go fuck themselves. Um, so that would be uh, mixcloud.com slash tempfans. Um, Check us out at those places. Um, it basically leaves me to say, uh, John J.R. Moore's um, author of, um, I've forgotten the name of the book. No, 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 no. I do, I'm going to go back again. I'm going to go back to you again. Sorry. Which leaves me to say, uh, leaves me to say thank you very much to J.R. Moore's author of Electric Wizards, uh, a tapestry of heavy music from 1968. To the modern day, from from Paul McCartney to the modern day. Um, thank you very much, John. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been it's been f- as fun as fun music. And um, Andrew Falcons, if you ever want to argue that you don't play noise rock, feel free to come on. I mean, I mean <laughs> we've got an email. Knock, knock, knock yourself out. All right, see you later. Bye.